Thinking that there's a better website to do your online shopping at is about as believable as one of Woo's cover stories. Get the best deals on everything you need and help support Survivor podcasts like this when you start your shopping at robhasawebsite.com slash Amazon. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sisternina here with another Survivor Kageon exit interview. And today we are going to speak with the latest person who was voted off of Survivor. And that would be Latasha, Tasha Fox. And we will find out what does the Fox say when we talk to her about what she thought about her 11 episode stint here on Survivor 28. So last night, Stephen Fishback and I actually disagreed about a number of topics last night, and you could check that out. It was a very polarizing uh, Survivor know-it-alls last night, I will say, and there were a lot of people that liked it. There were some certain contestants from this season that did not like what either Rob or Stephen had to say on the show last night. So uh, definitely check that show out. It was very, very fun on robhasawebsite.com. And of course, then later on today, boy, Are you guys in for a treat? Because this is going to be one of the biggest, a huge podcast. You needed this. This is going to be one of the biggest shows we've ever done today. So first, your 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 appetizer, or I guess maybe the entree, however you want to do it. I don't know how these fancy restaurants work. So we are going to have an interview with the original winner of Survivor, the one and only Richard Hatch, is going to be my guest on the podcast. And then... Oh, wait, there's more. Parvati, Parvati Shallow, the winner of Survivor Micronesia, will be my guest here live in my studio. So she's going to be coming over to my house and we're going to record the voicemails from you guys. So make sure you get your voicemails in for Parvati. We're going to do that later on this afternoon. Go to robhasawebsite.com slash voicemail or call them in at 323-282-282. R-H-A-P. Jam-packed Survivor Day. I got the NFL draft tonight. We've got Big Brother Canada finale. My predictions for the day, I'm going to go with a Jets draft a wide receiver, a Netta victory, and about a two-hour and 49-minute podcast. So those are my three predictions for this jam-packed Thursday. And wait, one more thing. We also, after the exit interview, stick around because last night I recorded our This Week in Survivor History with Jordan Kalish, and so that's going to be on after this exit interview. So you got a very jam-packed show here and then a very busy day Thursday. So I see that we have Tasha on the line. Let's go ahead and patch her in. Tasha, are you there? Hey, Rob. Is this Miss Foxy Tasha? <laughs> it's Miss Foxy Tasha. Tasha, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Glad to talk to you, Rob. <laughs> yes, very nice to talk to you, too. And glad we can sort of go through some of this stuff. And I know a lot of people very bummed out to see you go last night. I think a lot of people also felt that you were going to be the winner of this season. I know. You know, I felt like one or two more challenge wins and I could have um, gotten my check for a million dollars. You got our hopes up. You were a big tease. And then uh, you ultimately uh, disappointed everybody. I know. I was disappointed, too. I wish um, I didn't have to play the game by myself. Give me a couple of real alliance members and I I could have taken it to the end. Uh, Let's talk about this alliance. All right. First off, let's go to last night. And so you have this scene with Cass shortly before the vote. And you referred to Tony as basically the New Jersey 
Russell Hance. And then Cass has some confessionals. She says, wait a second, hold on. Uh, Russell Hance, nobody's going to vote for him in the end. Maybe I should go to the end with Tony. Do you feel like that was actually a big factor in Cass changing her mind? No, absolutely not. Um, I think what happened was she was willing to do whatever Wu was. And so I think Wu was a little iffy and that's what swayed her to not go with the plan because it was really the two of them or nothing. And so Wu was a little wishy-washy and all she needed him to do was say, yeah, I'm out. And then she would be out. So since when in Cass and Wu such good allies? I wouldn't say that they were allies, but they they knew that um, Tony would be pissed. I I think if they were working together and they both pissed off Tony, okay, great, we're in this together. But I don't think one of them was strong enough to say, you know what, I don't care what Tony's going to say or be mad about, I'm going by myself. But I think they just wanted to stick together in this decision. It's either both of us going against him or it's neither one of us. So I think it was just... They felt safe in numbers. So in the episode, when you guys were getting ready to go to tribal council, I felt like Tony very astutely figured out that you didn't seem nervous about going to tribal council. Uh, Was that actually a, a good job by Tony or do you think he was pulling stuff out of his butt? I think he was pulling stuff out of his butt. I just came off of three individual immunities. I I had no reason to be nervous about anything for the past three tribal councils. The only other time that I was would have been nervous would have been the night Morgan went home. That's the only other time I was on the chopping block. And even that time, what I did was try to use reverse psychology and be like, oh, guys, you know, it's so great playing with you. You know, I'll miss you all. You know, just trying to do reverse psychology. Psychology, and I didn't scramble at that point either. So I wasn't really sure like why he created this imaginary trend of me scrambling and then all of a sudden not scrambling when the past three vote-offs I had a necklace. So I wouldn't have to scramble. So I wasn't really sure where that came from. So I was like, moving on. Okay. Tasha, so you were in the shelter that morning when all the guys were up and Tony was talking about his police work. And Cass yes. claims that she heard Tony say, hey, you know, Cass is a bitch and let's get rid of her. Did you yes. hear anything like that? Absolutely not. But I wasn't going to tell Cass that, you know, (laughs) she was like, did you hear that? And I'm like, girl, yes, I can't believe he's talking about you. And you're right here. And so it just went on from there. At this point, you know, I was trying to do everything I could to break that alliance up, even if it meant going along with Cass's um, interpretation of Tony's comments. So, yeah, I was all over that one. (laughs) All right. So last night you were on the verge of history about to tie Kelly Wigglesworth for four consecutive immunity challenge wins and ultimately it's Spencer that wins the counting challenge. I had a hard read of figuring out how long that challenge took. Was that a a quick challenge or was that like taking hours to finish that? I think that challenge took about 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long challenge. We had a really bad storm two days before, and all the wood was wet, so we couldn't make a fire. So we hadn't eaten anything or drank anything for two days. So to have to run back and forth like that, I mean, it was it was very grueling challenge. 
Okay. Let's go back to when you guys had the merge, and it looked like that you guys were set up really well there before Chaos Cass <laughs> struck. Okay, so in that episode, Cass and Sarah are having a bit of a, of a feud, and you came in, and I thought you actually uh, came off very good in that in that spot where you were talking to Sarah, and you did a really good job of calming down Sarah. And I thought that it seemed like that you were just sort of like ma- making Sarah feel better. But Cass seemed to take that very personally. Did you realize at that time that Cass was getting so offended that she felt like you were taking Sarah's side? Honestly, I I think Cass is trying to use me as a scapegoat for her dumb decision. So I will not sign on for that. Um I think it was clear everyone knew that Sarah was the most vulnerable person in this whole situation that we needed to cater to. And if Cass was smart, if Cass wanted to win a million dollars, she would have catered to Sarah too. Who cares when you're a strategic player, you, the stuff like this is really immaterial. Cater to this person, tell them what they need, and then move on with your million dollar game. I think Cass probably has some, um, emotional issues maybe from growing up maybe she wasn't the coolest person in the cafeteria and so maybe she was feeling some type of way that Sarah was getting all the attention but it was for a purpose and that purpose would have served Cass as well so I think maybe she it drudged up some old feelings about her feeling left out and she made the emotional decision Cass and I talked every day we strategized every day Cass had no reason to even remotely feel like she was on the bottom and never once did she ever say are we okay? Is, is everybody in? Are we doing all right? Like she's doing now every week with Tony and Trish. That's what on the bottom feels like. So I, I think she just was jealous of Sarah and sacrificed her million-dollar game for five minutes of satisfaction in voting Sarah off. All right, well, let me play the devil's advocate because Cass isn't here. Was Cass actually on the bottom in the group of six? Heck no. I would have taken Cass to the end and I would have taken Morgan. And in the next confessional where Cass said, that's okay, I lost five friends, but I gained five more. No, boo, you lost one friend and you gained zero. Like I was tight <laughs> with Cass. From the moment she agreed to vote Garrett out, she was like my person. And she knew that. So, you know, only she can explain. And like I said, I will not be a scapegoat for someone's bad decision. I'm interested to know about the relationship between you and Spencer as an alliance, because it seemed like after the merge that there were definitely times where it seemed like you were getting closer with people like Sarah and with Morgan and Spencer seemed to be getting closer with people like Jeremiah. But ultimately, you guys end up being the last two people. How closely aligned were you and Spencer this whole time after the merge? Um, after the merge, I mean, I don't think we were closely aligned at all. I just, I don't feel like I had any, anyone to align with, you know, throughout the entire game. But I think Spencer and my relationship was really just by default because apparently he had formed um, an alliance with Sarah and Jeremiah. And um, unfortunately for him, they couldn't keep themselves in the game. So I was really the, the default person for him. Um, I thought we were tighter than what we were in fact so I would have considered him alliance member and um, apparently he had other plans so it's all good I really felt like I played the game by myself for the most part Rob yes yeah, so last week when we saw that you were trying to get 
Tony thinking that there was a woman's alliance and you were in the water yes. with the other with the other women. And it turned yes. out that Spencer was went ahead and was telling Tony, hey, look, there's a women's alliance. So you guys r- weren't really on the same page with that. You just both happened to be working on the same plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured, because it would look it, basically if Spencer's part of the plan worked, then Tony might say, let's vote out Tasha. And it was only after you won immunity that it actually became a good plan for both of you guys. Right. Exactly. Okay. So. Yeah. And, you know, even without that, I was on the chopping block. I felt um, from the, the moment cast flipped, I felt like people were targeting me. And then after, con- you know, continually winning immunity, I was really the target. So that was really the only thing that saved me. And I knew that. Let's go back to early in the season on, on the premiere night. One of the one of the bigger moments of the entire show. Okay. So you guys lose the second challenge and then you come back and basically Garrett says, okay, this is what it is. And there's going to be no discussion. And you get very upset about this. I would love to know how much of that was actually you were upset. You couldn't talk strategy and how much of that was strategy. Well, honestly, I wanted to talk to Garrett and Spencer about what we were going to do with Cass and Jatia. Like, I was almost willing to vote Jatia out had um, Garrett and Spencer um, not kind of let on that they were working with Cass. Because I saw Garrett talking to Cass, and I was like, okay, something might be brewing there, but I need to really talk to them ask them some questions and figure that out. So talking with Garrett and Spencer, if they were good in this talk, I wouldn't have mind voting out Jatia. But we didn't even get to that. So I couldn't even ascertain whether or not they had something going on with Cass. So I said, you know what, I'm going to err on the side of caution and take Garrett out. So I was pissed that I didn't even get a chance to make that decision. But it worked out because I said, you know what, I'll just go with it and assume that they're trying to work with Cass. And it was the right decision to make. Could you tell me more about what your relationship was like in Trish and whether you guys see her as basically a a separate entity from Tony or just basically somebody who's following Tony along? Right. So, and I will say this, watching the show, Trish did more than what I gave her credit for when I was actually in the game. In the game, it appeared that Trish was just going along with Tony. And even after her not being in on two of the blind sides, I'm like, how is this girl still working with this man? And so, like, I really didn't have respect for Trish in this game or anybody else that he kept blindsiding. Um, But you know what? Honestly, the reason I think Tony looks so great and is so successful is because he has a Trish and a Wu. A Wu that will do anything Tony wants him to and a Trish who will clean up the mess even if she wasn't a part of it. You know what I'm saying? So give me a Trish and a Wu and I will look just as great as Tony. So (laughs) he's fortunate in the fact that he has two people that know their roles, they play it well, and um, don't appear to really be trying to win a million dollars. Because, again, Trish, all of her credit is getting given to Tony. So, sorry. Give me Trish and Woo, please. Let me be be the Tony. <laughs> all right. How about this special idol, the Tyler Perry idol that came up this season? Now, Tony basically says that he had the special idol. He admits to it, but then he sort of says, you know, maybe I do, maybe I don't. And it's maybe it's in my bag of tricks. So, what did you guys feel like? Did you guys feel like he did have this special idol? 
Yeah, I think when he went off on Cass and he said, well, you know what? It's okay because I have the special idol. Now I'll vote you out. So once he said that, that kind of solidified, you know, our suspicions. Okay, he really does have it. And kudos to him for this miraculous finding of the idol without a clue. Kudos. Do you know how the vote would have worked in a split vote where at what point you'd have to play the special idol? No, like that is information that we were not privy to. You know, he Tony told us a couple of things, but we didn't know what to believe. You know, I think he said that he would get to choose who goes home or, you know, so we weren't really sure of exactly what these special powers were. So, um, yeah. And Tasha, last question. Will you ever be able to enjoy another Tyler Perry movie after this? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Rob, it's a game I applied three times to be on this show. And um, I felt like obviously starting out on Luzon put me just in a bad position anyway. But the theme of my game was make the best of with what you have, which was really not much. And the fact that I was able to rely on myself and get to six basically by myself, you know, it's all good. I'm happy and I'm happy with the way that I played and I have no regrets and I still love Tyler. Perry and Medea. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, Tasha, thank you so much. Hope to see you at the finale. Follow follow uh, Miss Foxy Tasha, one of the best Survivor Twitter handles on Twitter. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Rob. All right. Take care. Bye, Tasha. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Tasha Fox here on the podcast. And now we know what did the fox say? And she's had a lot of fun things to say. Okay, so we're going to find out what Jordan Kalish has to say about this week in Survivor history. But first, I want to bring you some words from our sponsor for this podcast. And those are our friends over at DraftKings.com. Now, if you're anything like me and you're a Mets fan, this last week has been absolutely garbage. Mets are in an absolute tailspin. And I don't even want to look at another baseball game the rest of the way. But if you were playing fantasy baseball, you could say, hey, you know what? Things aren't going my way. And I'm just going to restart again with one day fantasy baseball at DraftKings.com because people are winning crazy money at DraftKings.com. Fantasy baseball is back and you don't want to miss anything that's happening when you're playing fantasy baseball at DraftKings.com. America's favorite one day fantasy baseball site. People have turned as little as $11 on DraftKings into $4,000. Somebody else won a hundred grand in their first time ever playing. Somebody even won a million dollars at DraftKings.com. In one day, playing fantasy and they didn't even have to flip on their alliance at all. DraftKings takes watching baseball to a whole new level and now you can win instant cash with every game. So it's easy to play one day fantasy baseball at DraftKings.com. That means no season long commitments, no being stuck with players, just instant cash every day. And right now, you can score free entry into the DraftKings biggest fantasy baseball contest of the year. Over $3 million in cash prizes with a million dollars for first place. Enter ROB today at DraftKings.com for your free shot at hundreds, thousands, or even a million bucks. Free spots are going quick. So enter ROB now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, everybody. I know how much you guys enjoy this segment, so I'm happy to have it here back again on the Exit Interview podcast, even though I got a lot of emails from people last week. Uh, how come the Exit Interview is 50 minutes long? Did Jeffra just go on and on and on? No, that was not the case. 
This week, just like last week, we are going to speak with the one and only Jordan Kalish about this week in Survivor history. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm uh, looking forward to the episode, and I am looking forward to talking about Survivor history. Jordan, I was thinking about this today. Is this sort of like a one-year thing, like a year from now, if we did this week in Survivor history, aren't we just going to talk about the same stuff? Well, I mean, on the blog, I have been highlighting some of the moments over other moments, but there have been some that I would like to eventually talk about that I haven't actually spoken about yet. So I think that I may be able to continue the blog after the year. Plus, I mean, we're, you know, we we have new seasons now. We're going to have Blood versus Water next year. We're going to have Kagayan in the um, in the spring. So I think that uh, there will be more material to go over. It might not be as much as we're doing now because we're really using the huge moments uh, pretty heavily in the past couple podcasts and in the blogs. But I think there'll still be some material to work with. Yeah, I think you should have maybe left some bullets in the gun. I think you should have been playing the long game of like uh, if it should have been this segment should be like two minutes and we could go on for like the next 20 years. That is that is a good idea. You know, that's, I guess, how we'd be able to uh, to get the show picked up. And uh, so we're always always able to do this week in Survivor history. Okay, All right. So let's get into it. So this week in Survivor history. So Australia is over. Are we going to cross that off the board? Are you going to tell me about how Colby slept with like 900 women then in the week following the finale of Survivor Australia? Nope, that was not in my notes, and we're actually starting with uh, one of of my favorites and one of your favorites, Survivor Amazon. Boom! And here is the episode. So you guys just voted out uh, Christy, so we're at the the top five. Yes. Top um, five, baby. Yes, and this episode, there was a lot of uh, a lot of scenes in the beginning of the episode where you have Butch collecting firewood, and for some reason, he thinks that you need probably enough firewood. I mean, there were, there were only how many, how many days left in the game were there at this point? Maybe nine days. Yeah. Christy gets voted out day 33. So six oh, days, so left. There's six, six days left. So, so Butch has wants enough firewood for maybe, maybe he thought the next season of survivor was also filming in the Amazon. Um, so you're helping him and, uh, you, you you know you're you're doing your job as the junior deputy firewood bitch and uh so that's good so you're getting all this firewood but then you and matt uh you go on a barbecue reward that he won and um so you're you're there you're having a good time and he he won the car in that reward and did he ever let you borrow the car when he returned to his planet no he did not and actually that was you know the car curse thing and i was actually i don't know if you went back and looked at this episode but i was actually winning in that challenge and then i got to like the word scramble and i still don't know to this day if there was something off with my puzzle or whatever but like the numbers just like in the lock just were not lining up to be a word scramble and word jumble is one of my things that i'm really good at and for whatever reason either my brain just was not firing in the right way like i was making like some mistake that i couldn't figure out or like whatever reason like my my numbers just were not lining up right on that but i had like a commanding lead in that but part of me was like oh okay well I'm I'm not going to get the car because I want to win the game. Like, obviously, the car is a curse, so mm. I don't want to get that. And Heidi, that whole time, was like, 
you know, I don't have a car, so, you know, it'd be really great if... Basically, Heidi was sort of like, almost like pulling a dreams where she was sort of saying that she would give her... And again, I might, I might not have this 100% correct, but I got the impression, she didn't come out and say it, but she's basically saying that if we let her... Like, her jury vote was like up for grabs if she... It would mean a lot to her, like, wink, wink, if she, if she won the car because she didn't have a car. Mm. she needed you, a car you, really bad do you think there's anyone else that deserves this car <laughs> does anybody else deserve the car besides oh uh, that you're doing uh heidi's jury uh question yes yes <laughs> yeah now and now heidi has uh 900 cars yeah i'm, I'm sure she doesn't need a a saturn ion <laughs> yeah Okay. So, so anyway, you you and Matt go on the reward, but unfortunately, based on all the fire collecting that Butch was having you guys do, uh, the camp burned down. And you actually talked about this with uh, with Tyson last week, sure. Where you lost the camp, you lost. Uh, I, I believe a lot of your clothes were burnt down. Uh, you lost what was it, two hundred and forty dollars in cash? Yeah, <laughs> that was the biggest possession that was that was lost uh there was actually a lot of stuff that got burnt in the fire i think that like butch it wasn't shown on the in the show i don't think but in the auction butch got a polaroid camera and i think like some of the polaroid camera pictures that butch took got burnt basically everybody's stuff got burned i think except for jenna's like jenna's backpack like wasn't in the thing but mm. it, it, it was actually really annoying to have to lose because we like lost all our like change changes of clothes because they got burnt in the fire. In addition, uh, the eight ball got pretty torched. But I had like uh, like I didn't have any other like things to change into the rest of the way. Like so I basically just had like a pair of shorts and like the tank top I was wearing and that kind of like I had like a lot of clothes in the Amazon. So that really sucked. Uh, and it really, this is one of the worst uh, disasters. I'm not going to go so far to call it a natural disaster because it was most, you know, it, it was probably the fact that Butch had all this this wood under the camp. But uh, it was really, I would say, probably worse than the uh, than the flood in in uh, Australia that we talked about a few weeks ago. Because you guys seem to lose a lot more stuff than they did. They they almost lost their rice, which would have been really bad. But Tina found it, so I think this could be the worst, uh, may, maybe uh, element disaster in Survivor history. And all the conspiracy people, the tinfoil hat people, they'll tell you, you know, how come. They have footage of the camp burning down when they were at a challenge. And it's a good question. It's a good question. I still don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess I guess they're not allowed to uh, to step in. And I mean, it, it did make good TV. So I'm sure even if they wanted to step in, um, they probably wouldn't have wanted them to. Yeah, but they've got it like from the jump when the fire starts. So I don't know if there just happened to be a guy rolling on the camp when nobody was there. I, I mm-hmm. that, that I still don't know, but uh, we'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. Good TV. Yes. And uh, Heidi was voted out in this episode. I felt it was uh, worth worth mentioning that. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that happened. Mm-hmm. And some people would say that was the move that cost me a million dollars to vote out Heidi instead of Jenna. But I'll still defend the move because I was much more afraid of Heidi was going to win the game than Jenna. Mm-hmm. So you thought that Heidi was a bigger threat to win the challenges, right? I thought Heidi was a bigger threat to win the game. Jenna, want, go back and watch that episode. Jenna wants to quit. 
Jenna's mm-hmm. talking about I have tonsillitis and I want to go home and I'm done playing the game. And Heidi's like, uh, like you know, raring to go. Like Heidi had like a knee problem, but she was like starting to feel better. And Heidi was like a gym coach. And so I was much more scared of Heidi than Jenna. Mm-hmm. And it, too, too bad he didn't have Trish out there because she probably would have got Jenna to quit. <laughs> yeah, that's what we needed. Did, did you guys ever think about bullying her so she actually quit? No, no. Okay. That's that's good. That, that strategy hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, I think that's really everything to cover from from that episode in the Amazon. 2003. So that, yes. So, so now we go to 2004. We have uh, Survivor All Stars. And we have the penultimate episode. Um, first of all, Rob and Amber both won cars in this episode. They really cleaned up that season. Um, <laughs> they sure Rob, did. Yes, Rob, Rob won the challenge. Of course, he brought Amber. And for some reason, this, the person who he brought along got a car. And they, were, uh, they got to go on, a, on like a movie date. I believe they saw Lord of the Flies, um, which is a movie that I had seen really close to that time in my English class. So I remember being interested that they, uh, that they were watching that movie. Um, I think it was like ninth grade or something. Uh, so then you have, we talked about this last week about getting rid of the swing vote. So you mm-hmm. guys did it with Christy. And in this episode, Rob and Amber were able to do it with uh, big Tom because yeah. there were five people left. It was uh, Rob and Amber uh, were, were a pair. And then you had Jenna and Rupert. They were a pair. So Tom was the swing vote and he had been aligned with uh, Boston Rob throughout the game. But uh, uh, Boston Rob was able to get uh, big Tom and Rupert to uh you know to, to get um to you know get in a fight and there was a actually a really funny scene where they're both standing in the water kind of yelling at each other big tom with his accent and rupert with his like, kind of like roaring growly voice so they're yelling at each other and boston rob is able to turn the tables on uh and on big tom who i guess he felt was a was a threat and um, and got him out of the game yeah he brilliant. Got, everybody voted for him brilliant brilliant move on the part of boston rob which i would actually say is a non-traditional uh great move for a couple of reasons where i loved the final five in a two in a final two season because that was really where it swings like the final five is one of the best episodes and now it's not really that that great of an episode when you get the final five because basically there's whoever is a final two there's still three people that outnumber that final two so you have to be like super on the down low about who your final two is. Now it's almost that final seven is when that happens. If you have a final three, you can't let the other four people know at final seven who your three are because they'll get together and they'll vote you out. So Rob here at this point was more afraid that Tom was going to jump ship and go with Rupert and Jenna at that point. So he ends up like making up a fake fight or making like basically provoking a fight between Tom and Rupert so that they can't work together and that they can all decide to go ahead and vote out and vote out uh, Big Tom at that point. But it's kind of crazy that the two pairs of two went with a two, like went went to go with a two-two uh, split there because you get to a potential tiebreak situation. But I guess Boston Rob had in his back pocket that Jenna Lewis was going to vote out Rupert again. It would have been better for Jenna Lewis to have a tiebreak scenario and potentially go two-two and vote against Rob and Amber at four. But you know. Uh. It's, and it's it's good we're talking about this too because the finale episode since it was the uh, it, it was actually during the same week 
So we have both of those. Well, it's Mother's Day this weekend. And Mother's Day traditionally is always the Survivor finale. So I I was thinking about this last night. For everybody that complained that the season started late, you know, thank you, Sochi, for giving us like two more weeks of Survivor down the stretch here. So this would be the off season pretty much by the by Monday. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of cool having Survivor uh, on you know this week and next week because a lot of the other shows that I watch, and I'm sure a lot of the other people watch that are listening, they're probably either over or they're ending this week. So we're in overtime. It's another thing to watch. Yeah, this is extra innings for Survivor. Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. But that so, was a great, great, uh, brilliant move on Boston Rob at Final Five. And really crazy that Tom Rupert and Jenna Lewis weren't able to see through it and vote out either Rob or Amber because they're they're hooking up in the in the shelter. It's obvious that they're going to the final two with each other. Unless is it possible that they didn't know that they were so close? No, they knew. You know, I don't know. I can't tell you what Tom was thinking. I could tell you probably more what Rob was thinking, and that was that Big Tom was the biggest jury threat. And Mm -hmm. that's why everybody's like, we have to get rid of Tom because he's going to clean up in the Mm -hmm. jury because he's going to get the Lex and Kathy and Alicia votes. So he's basically going to get all the jury votes. So I I think it was it was a great move for Boston Rob. I'm just saying it was a terrible, terrible move for Rupert, Jenna and Tom. I, I mean, I don't see how the three of them didn't come together and get get out either Rob or Amber because they're they're an obvious couple. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. But uh, again, maybe they were thinking Big Tom was thinking like, uh, hell, I'll go with Rupert and Jenna and we'll go. And then Boston Rob started this fight. And then it, and then basically Rupert and Jenna were like, you know, F Big Tom. I actually have it right here in my notes that I was hoping that you would go to the uh, the Big Tom impression. Good. <laughs> I, I loved playing Survivor with Big Tom. Yeah, he's really he's one of my favorites of all time. I wish he would come back. I, I, I wonder if they if they have asked him and if they do ask him, would he come back? Yeah. In complete in fairness on Survivor All Stars, I had a lot of fun playing with with Boston Rob. I had fun with I, again. I did not have fun getting voted out by these people, but uh-huh. uh, when I was out there, I had fun with Boston Rob. I love Big Tom, who kept me laughing all day, and I got along really well with Sue Hawk. It was Alicia and Amber that got on my nerves, and vice versa that they were not particularly mm-hmm. fond of me. I mean, those are some some big characters on that on that tribe. And then also Amber. Some big personalities, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, again, with the so now we have the uh, the finale episode of Survivor All Stars. We were talking about this before, where Jenna Lewis goes along with uh, Robin Amber, votes out Rupert. Then uh, obviously she is the next to go because there's no way Boston Rob and uh, Amber are voting against each other. Jenna Lewis really needed to win that final immunity, which she which she didn't. Uh, and now at the final tribal council, this is one of the more memorable final tribal councils, basically for two reasons. And it's two speeches that were given. Uh, the first one was Lex um, when he really went after Boston. Rob uh, said he basically that uh, when his whole speech was about the fact that Survivor is more than a game, which can, can be debated. I mean, it is it, it is a game. There are a lot of emotions involved because you are talking about people and especially in all stars where these people were friends before the game. Uh, so there's really, you know, there's, there's really uh, um, 
it's really a debate as to to whether you agree with Lex or Big Tom in the scenario. Uh, but Lex was obviously very bitter, and I, I thought it was interesting that Lex actually used a, used a phrase in that speech where he said, "I'm not uh, doing this out of any kind of bitterness." But I really, I mean, well, I, I can't really. I, agree I think with that's that. one of those things where you know. The more you have to say that you're not, I, you know, that's sort of like this isn't a timeshare. This isn't a cult. Uh, this <laughs> this isn't a cold sore. A- any of those times that you have to declare what it isn't, I find that it tends to be exactly the opposite of what you're saying it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Lex was not happy, and he was one of uh, he was one of the votes for Amber, and Amber of course wins the game. She wins four to three, and one of the other votes for Amber was Big Tom, who gave a speech, and his his was hilarious. First of all, yeah, I remember. I remember Big well. Tom was giving a speech, so he talked about castrating goats, and somehow that relates to survivor and then he went over to shake uh to shake uh boston rob's hand it looks like maybe he was going to vote for him but then he took his hand away and said uh don't be stupid stupid which is don't actually be a, stupid stupid <laughs> which there is were, actually a phrase that since then i kind of like to use to um to be funny i think people had t-shirts like in the next couple of days after the don't be stupid uh stupid can we talk really? about the reunion show do you have that on your list <laughs> um i i do have the uh obviously the proposal Boston Rob proposes to Amber and uh, um, she accepts the proposal and they get engaged and that was before the vote and then I also um, wrote wrote, wrote down a note about uh, Amber's I love Rob shirt Mm -hmm. and she was that was for Boston Rob right yeah you know that was never clarified whether it was I heart Uh, Rob M or Rob C was Nicole pissed at her? Was it was Nicole at any point going to like rush the stage at, at Amber? And, no, and Nicole just- wasn't pissed. But I have to say, you know, th- I actually saw a video on on YouTube recently, which was like behind the scenes at the Survivor All Stars finale. It really was uh, super awkward <laughs> because it was like Rob and Amber were really, really separated from everybody else. Like you know, they really they didn't really associate with any with anybody else. Like we were all like everybody else was sort of like backstage in like one room, and then like Rob. Bob and Amber were in like their own their own private like room watching the finale. I think like Colby might have been in there also. Like somehow Colby mm-hmm. got behind the velvet rope to hang out with them, and then the rest of us like rank and file Survivor All Stars. We were all sort of like well, uh-huh. left to our own. But like that actual reunion show was so crazy because it was at now it was at Madison Square Garden. So it was like basically there's like 300 people at the New York ones that are at the uh, Ed Sullivan Theater. The L.A. finales are like there's like 150 people in the crowd. And so basically now you have like 5000 people. And the atmosphere was compared to professional wrestling because it really was like a lot of like in the crowd, like cheering for the heroes and the people they didn't like. Were like Boo! Uh-huh. And, and that's why that's why Jerry quit. Yeah. And so you had like basically like Lex, like every time like he started talking, like people were like all over him and he was talking about like that he was still mad. And then you had Jerry walked off the stage during that thing. So it was it was such a crazy, crazy, crazy. That's the craziest finale that we ever had. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I think when you have a season like that, especially with all the emotions, it was the first season where people had known each other before the show, and then I didn't realize it was such a, uh, I mean, I, I do remember all the booing and cheering, but I didn't realize uh, that it was it was like a, like a wrestling atmosphere. Yeah, it was great. Hmm. 
So now now we go to uh, 2007, Survivor Fiji. Okay. Uh, so we have a, a challenge here, and you kind of brought this up before. Uh, Yao Man won the car reward challenge, and right after the challenge, he makes a deal with Dreams. And the, and the deal was that if he gives Dreams the car, Dreams will give him the uh, – if Dreams wins individual immunity at four, he will give it to Yao Man. So – the fallback on that doesn't happen until the next episode, so I won't, I won't, um, I won't give any spoilers about what happens there. But that's obviously something that set up one of the more memorable uh, moves from that season. And then Dreams actually uh, tries to vote Yao Man out in this episode because he's like, "Look, if I don't get to the final four, I don't have. If he doesn't get to the final four, I don't have to hold up my end of the bargain." So we actually talked about a. Uh, a move from Micronesia where uh, Amanda was Amanda received the most votes, but she used the hidden immunity idol. And it was actually the same thing in this episode where dreams was able to get Cassandra boo and Stacy to, um, to vote for Yao man. So that was four votes to two uh, Earl and Yao voted for Stacy and she was sent home because Yao had played the idol. Okay. So that was uh, uh, you don't see that a lot where the right person actually plays the hidden immunity idol. You know, but when you get down to these numbers, it's you have a better chance of being right. Yeah. And it's like if this were if this were modern Survivor, though, you know, this is this is pretty much right. A couple seasons after the they came up with the hidden immunity idol and uh, there were four people voting for Yao and there were two people voting for Stacey. But if this were modern Survivor, I bet the four people probably would have split the vote two two two, which means Yao would have played the idol. Uh, Stacey would have received the two votes for them. And Earl would have been the one to receive the other two votes because he was the only other person voting in the minority. And Earl in that situation actually would have been voted out on the revote. Oh my so God. Th- that would have been a whole new season. It's a whole, it's a whole new season. There yep. you go. And uh, I wonder, like, you don't know who's going to, I mean, Yao Man would have been in the minority, so he would have been susceptible the next episode. You might've had Boo Burness or uh, Stacey Kimball as a survivor winner. Good grief. Or, or dreams of Cassandra, but I, I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe Cassandra, she was, uh, well, she she got to the end anyway and got no votes. So I, I think it probably would have been Boo as the um, he was like the main immunity threat that season. He may have won that season. There, <laughs> all right. No more Survivor Fiji hypotheticals. I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> OK. Yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah, yeah, or yeah, or Earl were definitely the two best on uh, on that season. Yeah, let's go with that. I don't want to live in that sliders world. So do you want to go on to, uh, to Micronesia then? Yeah. Uh, fans versus favorites one. Okay. So here we go. This is considered by many people, the dumbest move in survivor history. Uh, this is Eric Reichenbach winning the individual immunity challenge at the final five and then giving it to Natalie when he was the one on the hot seat. So he wins the challenge. Uh, he would have, he would have been the one to get voted out if he didn't win the challenge, but the, Three, actually the four, the four genius girls, uh, Sari, Amanda Parvati, and Natalie, were able to convince Eric that he would uh, he would pick up a lot of jury votes if he gave away the hidden immunity necklace, and not the hidden immunity, the immunity necklace. Yeah, which um, obviously is uh, Eric used very flawed logic there because you actually you have to get to the finals in order to get the jury votes. That's right. You know what. Poor Eric. I mean, we've been we've rehashed that one uh, a bunch of times. But now, how many years is that since that one? Uh, th- this is uh, six years ago now. Six years ago. Okay. So happy six year of immunity necklace giveaway, Eric Reichenbach. 
Yeah, this is it, it has been talked about a lot. And uh, James actually brought up uh, Survivor history after the move happened because he said he lost his reign as the dumbest Survivor ever. Yeah, so, and he actually uh, lost it to JT then, who won the award for dumbest Survivor ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did. I, I was actually surprised that Eric didn't win that award. Yeah, recency bias. Yeah, no, de- definitely. Eric was campaigning. He came on Rob's <laughs> podcast to campaign because he thought they were going to give him a car. Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He, he would have he given it away, though. Yeah. All right, keep going. Okay, so now we have 2009. We have uh, Survivor Token Teams. And first of all, we get to meet Eddie George because uh, Taj won a visit with him at the auction where she actually won a phone. And on the phone, there was a message that uh, Eddie George says, I'll meet you back at camp. And she didn't realize at first, but then she listened again. Or I think Jeff... uh, Jeff uh, had her process what was what the message actually was. So we got to see Eddie George um, with Taj, and they actually ended up going to uh, Exile Island, and the rest of the loved ones got to go to uh, to visit uh, at camp. So we got to meet all of uh, all of their loved ones there. And the other the other uh, interesting loved one was Coach's assistant coach, uh, who I will always remember doing calisthenics with him on the island. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's so. In Survivor Token Sheens, Eddie George. Yes, Eddie, Eddie George. And th- this was before the days uh, of um, like Jimmy Johnson and uh, Steve Wright and some other NFL people. So uh, definitely uh, the best NFL player to ever appear on Survivor. <laughs> Even he, better he than Gary Hogaboom? Um, I, I would say he was a little bit better than Gary Hogaboom. I don't think Gary was ever considered for the Madden cover. Okay. So this was also the uh, the episode in which uh, Stephen Fishback, uh, the survivor know-it-all, was able to use a memory trick where he converted the uh, symbols to numbers in order to win uh, the immunity challenge. And he was way behind in that challenge. I believe he was in last place. And he was able to go out. He swam out. He got all. He remembered all the uh, all the pictures that were out there and won and won the challenge. So very good job. He wins the uh, the fishy. Okay, congratulations to Stephen for, for winning immunity. Yes, I should say he wins the Kalishi. The, oh, the Kalishi. Yes. There you go. No, I was pronouncing it like you. <laughs> and finally, we have uh, skip a couple seasons because not much happened in between. We go to Survivor Karamoan where Brenda wins the family reward challenge and she picks Dawn to go with her. But then Jeff gives her the choice where either you can keep this reward with Dawn or the two of you give it up and the rest of the tribe gets to visit their family. Mm-hmm. So Brenda gives it up um, and uh, they have to watch from camp because they brought him out to like a, it was a boat, right? Where uh, or was it a boat or was there, some, some there sort was of like the a like basically like a buoy like they built like a like some sort of is it called a dock? I don't know. They had, they had some sort of like platform that was like basically like 100 feet away from shore. And so it was like they were close enough that they could basically like smell the barbecue and see everybody else partying and uh-huh. they had to sit there all day. And yes. watch them. So, Mr. Cochran had his famous barbecue there, where uh, where Cochran has that uh, that confessional that he doesn't know who this guy is because he's never seen his dad act cool before. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the real the real main point of me bringing up this episode that uh, Brenda was blindsided by Cochran and Don and Sherry in this episode. And um, of course, there had been the scene a couple days earlier where uh, where Brenda jumped in the water and gave Don her her teeth. 
Um, and Brenda was very, very hurt. And she even used that, that phrase. I'm, I'm hurt when she got voted out and it, it hurts, was a, I think she said, yeah, yes, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> Poor Brenda. <laughs> yes. Poor Brenda. So uh, unfortunately, Brenda got voted out there and, um, de- definitely, you know, she was kind of invisible that whole season until, until this episode. Uh, but she became one of the fan favorites after this because, uh, people felt really bad for her. Now, did I screw up by talking about the finale on Survivor All-Stars? Because I felt like uh, that it's basically Mother's Day weekend is around the corner. Were you uh, you planning on all the finale talk next week? No, I actually had it in my notes for this week. Um, So just the dates work out where some of the finales are earlier? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, some of the finales, like obviously Australia was a week before all of them. Uh, There was really only one this week so i'm guessing yeah there's gonna be a lot next week a lot of finale week okay so next week we'll talk about this week in survivor finale history yes and uh, the the reunion show talk should be uh interesting too because you always get uh some uh, funny things come out of that absolutely okay very good well thank you very much jordan kalish aka spencer's sound alike Yes, and I, I told a couple people that I would do this. I just want to give a shout out to the Papa Banks tribe, and they'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there you go. All right, no shout. This is like the Survivor reunion. No shout outs on the podcast, Jordan. Yeah, should I plug my Twitter also? No, no. <laughs> it's like the old Tonight Show where that only if Johnny Carson allows you to sit on the couch, you're allowed to. He, he'll wave you over. I'll, I'll ask you if you want to plug your Twitter. No unsolicited Twitter plugs. Okay. And I, I won't talk about my filet mignon pizza either. <laughs> no. No. All right. Jordan, do you want to plug your Twitter? Yes, I, I would. It, it is at Jordan Kalish. And I most of my tweets are about Survivor. So uh, I hope you guys like them. Yeah. That's only if I like the guests, they get to plug their Twitter. <laughs> you don't hear me. You don't hear me uh, telling somebody that if I, if I, I don't think they did a good job. They're not getting the Twitter plug. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, I, I feel honored then. <laughs> there you go. It's inside baseball on Robin's podcast. All right, Jordan, thank you so much. And then we'll talk to you next week for finale week. Yes, thank you. All right, take care. Bye. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Jordan Kalish. Huge, huge Thursday coming up on Rob Has a Podcast. Don't miss any of it. Make sure you're subscribed to Rob Has a Podcast. Go to robhaswebsite.com slash iTunes or on robhaswebsite.com. Click the podcast tab and see all the different ways that you can subscribe to Rob Has a Podcast. All right, so have a great Thursday, everybody. Big, big day, and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.